today because I have a very special guest on today. Uh, his name is David Cohn, um, also the owner and founder of uh, Six Sock Silver, um, as well as a photographer, videographer, and content creator for his small business. So um, super excited to get into the conversation with him today. Uh, how are you doing, David? I'm doing amazing. I'm excited to do this. I apologize to anybody uh, for my little hiccups here and there that I may experience, but it's my first podcast. I'm excited to do it. I'm really eager to talk about freelance photo and video. This is something that I don't get to talk about too much anymore. I've moved kind of in the world of e-commerce and you kind of, you have to wear all the hats, but my niche will always be photo and video. So I'm excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, how about you, Brian? How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm excited. Uh, there's been all kinds of crazy stuff. Aurora, you know, uh, we had some news today. It was pretty bad. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that go on in our world that uh, draw our stresses out onto the surface. And I, I look forward to doing these podcasts because uh, it's not just a, a good conversation to have with David and find out what you're up to, but it's also a, a good place for us creative people to, you know, vent a little bit and it just kind of have a good conversation with somebody that we may not normally talk to and, and just really I don't know. I, I think that I really need that today. So I'm very yeah. appreciative to be here. David, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us tonight. Don't worry about any hiccups, man. If there are any, if there's going to be any hiccups, it's going to be probably myself or Sean. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's usually what happens. So it's all good. It's all good on you, man. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> good Lord. Yeah. Um, I totally get what you're saying, Brian, um, that these podcasts are really good for, you know, mental health and, um, you know, just like a, a really awesome creative outlet for us. So it's definitely a good uh, pickup in, um, in energy um, and, you know, just emotions in general. Um, yeah, how right. about you, Sean? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, actually. Uh, staying out of jail uh, is number one on the list for this week. Woo! And I've, so far I've been doing pretty good at that. Um, also, I got a gift and I wanted to show it to Brian because I've been dying to show it to him. And I just never had the time to. Um, oh, but awesome. my roommate ended up giving me a new mug. Oh, no way. No which, way. Which just so happens to. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I'm so, so glad you didn't have liquid in it right now when you showed me that. Well, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm saving it for the right coffee. I'm waiting for the right That is moment. so good. And I don't have mine with me today. I'm sorry. I should have had mine with me right, right. now. We'll, we'll coordinate it for next episode. We'll have yes, from, it's a thing now. It's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is an inside joke from a previous episode yeah i've, I've got a, I've got a mug as well uh, for those who's, who are listening to this on on spotify or whatever sean just showed me a mug that he got what does it say on the front of it have a nice so, day yeah it says have a nice day have a nice has, day and then you lift it up and it has like a bone hand given the finger it's actually because, funny because i i literally have the exact same decal on my doors now the exact same thing then it's very it's fitting cool <laughs> just don't drink that yeah, you should. 
Well, uh, David, I had a mug that was given to me by my former manager when I became assistant manager of our store at the time. And it was basically, uh, you can tell by the look on my face that I'm ignoring you or something like that. And then you lift it up and it's somebody giving the middle finger. So it's just, okay. it, it's now a thing of ours. When we're drinking and somebody says something that we're pissed about it, we'll just kind of do one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good tactic. It's, yeah. Or something. It's, it's different. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. Aurora. No, no. Now. <laughs> that's okay. It's you okay. see, David, I'm already hiccuping. There, there we go. <laughs> no, it's First. not a hiccup. It's, it's, a thing. <laughs> it's more like goofing off. Yeah, um, just <laughs> goof. Yeah. Um, yeah. So super excited to get into this conversation um, with David today. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is you do um, and kind of how you got into uh, the world of e-commerce, I guess? Yeah. Definitely. So it started, um, my background, like I said, is in photo and video and it all kind of started that way. So out of school, I started doing, um, odd jobs like freelance work. I had not the best camera setup, but I made do, um, I was doing the occasional real estate photo shoots. I was doing headshots for people really frequently. And then I actually ended up getting an opportunity through a friend, a friend who um, was in the e-commerce world himself. Him and his brother had started a company. They were a sock company um, and they were kind enough to give me an opportunity. They wanted to source a local, a local photographer and, and give someone young the opportunity to kind of grow with the business. And so I was doing photography for them. They were, I know it sounds crazy, but there, there was like a big, hype train around socks. There was a really big fad around um, novelty stuff. So people still wear them, but there was a period of time where socks became like the new tie where guys were wearing like French fry socks on Fridays and uh, that they were riding that wave. They were doing really well. And so I started doing photography for them. It was me and a friend of mine. We would just go out occasionally a couple times a week and, and, um, their new inventory, which they were bringing in very frequently, we would just snap some photos, send them over. And that's how it went. I ended up talking to my father about it. Um, just literally like spitballing at the dinner table kind of situation. I was young. I was around 21, 22. I told them that uh, I thought what they were doing was really cool. The e-commerce world was really intriguing. I knew nothing about it. Uh, I had just got out of film school and I was working part-time uh, at a camera store as well at Henry's. And so I mentioned it to my dad. I didn't think much of it when I first said it. Um, really, the one thing that stuck with him, he told me, was that I said, I think I can do something unique, not necessarily better, but different and offer some type of um, like different value proposition. So my dad thought about it. He's like, yeah, I mean, again, we're arrogant, we're cocky, like we thought we could do it better at that time we knew nothing about that space or even starting a new business. And so I think around a year later, my dad's uh, employer went out of business. And so for the first time in my life, my dad wasn't working. He had always been working in retail, very long hours, very stressful. And so he came up to me one day and he said, like, do you want to start something? And I said, what do you mean start something? And he just brought up the sock thing, like out of nowhere. And this was like over a year later, actually. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, I think we can do it. And he said, I had this idea. 
And so we, we sat down, we started talking about it. And his idea was to offer a functional material. At that time, we knew nothing about the product. Um, the space was completely new to us. And even like myself, I wasn't necessarily wearing functional clothing. I played a lot of sports and most of the stuff I purchased, I purchased because it was on sale or like my, the standard clothes I wear. I wasn't like a Lululemon kind of guy. I wasn't wearing any type of tech fleece. And so uh, we started doing a lot of research. And one of the things that we started seeing online was um, metals, so copper and silver. And we read an article that NASA and the U.S. military were using something called silver yarn. And it was made by a company based in Pennsylvania. Um, so we did a bunch of reading on it. We ended up finding the website of the company that produced the silver. Uh, it was super interesting at the time because we thought like smell proof socks, is that something that can be done? Um, the reason I'm saying smell proof is because silver and copper, which we learned at that time, prevents the growth of bacteria. And because there's no bacteria, it prevents odor as well. So this is something that was new to us. We started looking into it more and more. We ended up finding the company. We reached out to them. We sent them an email. Um, looking back, it probably wasn't the most professional approach, but uh, we ended up getting a response, which was really cool. They were very, very kind and open-minded to giving a father-son business the opportunity to use their product. And after, uh, I, I, I don't know how long it was exactly, but it was months of going back and forth and getting to know the business owner in Pennsylvania, they ended up giving us the distribution rights to the silver. And at this point, the ball had been rolling and we started accumulating um, different knowledge. And we started looking into more than just what the product would be. We started understanding the steps we needed to take for manufacturing. Um, and then I, my mind, the first thing I went to was content creation thinking, well, I was taking photos for that other sock business, but what can I do different for this one? How can I market this? And how can we make this something that is going to bring value to someone's life? And so um, the silver yarn was what we stuck with. And then the concept that we rolled forward with was the anti-odor properties, something that is not only hygienic, but can provide people relief in many situations, whether you're someone who works hard on your feet all day, a police officer, a fire, firefighter, um, someone who works in the culinary industry, or even if you're an athlete, a student, there's so many reasons why you may be on your feet for long hours. You may be perspiring more Retail than others. worker. Yeah. Yeah, retail work exactly. And I was I was familiar with it myself because at Henry's you're on your feet for yep. eight hours at a time. I had worked two jobs in construction, like landscaping. Also, I was doing like stuff in the film industry. So those hours can be ridiculous as well. Like 12 plus hours are like standard. And um we just thought right away we had something unique. And so that's how I we moved forward with it. And we just ever since then have been harping on the silver. I've been running um, all different types of advertisements as well as like organic content, but that's basically how it started. I was doing freelance work for another sock company. We had the, I don't know, I guess the arrogance to think that we could do it ourselves. And that's really how it's been. We've been um, learning as we go. I had no base knowledge. This has all been like trial and error. So we made a lot of mistakes along the way, obviously, but it's been about six years now. And I can say it's been a super rewarding experience. It's also been, um, it, it's not just rewarding in the sense of like we've accomplished something, but it's 
the amount of knowledge that we've gained and the experience, my thought process is also, I can apply it to something new in the future, maybe a more refined product. So there's a lot of reasons why I'm happy we ended up doing this. Uh, and six Ox, like I said, it's been about six years. So proud to say that. And I've been doing that alongside my photography and video business to pay the bills. So sorry for rambling, That that was probably a long answer to a short question, but that's, no, uh, awesome. that's kind of how it started. And, you know, I never knew that you were doing the <clears throat> photography content for a different soft company first. And that's what kind of, you know, rolled you into that, that idea initially. I thought that was so cool. Um, learning about that. I knew a little bit about your business before, obviously, because uh, I was your manager in, uh, <laughs> in yeah. Thornhill. So I remember at the beginning of, well, maybe not the very beginning, but close to the beginning of your business um, is when we first met. Um, and uh, you were talking about, uh, you know, changing your hours up a little bit and stuff for the business so that you could, you know, really put a lot of effort into the business. So um, I thought that was really awesome. Um, but Thank yeah, uh, one of the things that I thought was pretty unique about how you're promoting it um, uh, promoting your business is that you're using TikTok now. Um, I saw Brian is, I believe, pulled up your website with your TikTok uh, videos that are linked yeah. to it. So yeah, on our website, if you scroll down, um, I think it's like the middle section. I, I do offer like an Instagram feed and a TikTok feed. It's something that I think is really big in like today's world with social media. People do want to see um, the behind the scenes, they want to know who's running the company. And especially as a small self-funded family business, it's great to showcase exactly how things go. And I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I've been running it from home for the last six years, starting to get uh, to the point where it's not exactly manageable. But um, I first, for the first five years, I was running it from my parents' basement. And this past year, last May, I moved out. And uh, I've been running it from the basement in the home I'm in now. And uh, it's literally just been me, my father, and a friend of ours, the three of us, for the last six years. So it's, wow. I, I'd like to showcase that as much as I can. And a lot of people, when they look at our website and um, the photography, they just make the assumption that we have a team or we have, we're, we're larger than we are. But the reality is we've been self-funded. We're very, very um, tight-knit and um not just tighten it but i don't want to say stingy but we've been very very meticulous with our spending and we're we have to be conservative in that regard because we just don't have the ability like many other large businesses um so it's been really really cool and for the first four years i didn't showcase that at all it was pretending that we were bigger than we were that was in my mind that was how we were going to succeed and TikTok really changed my perspective on that. I started showcasing more and more behind the scenes as soon as uh, I jumped on TikTok. Awesome. Yeah, people want to see that for sure. And I think it's funny that you said you're tight knit, but um, boom, tight knit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't even catch the pun. So. <laughs> Accidental pun. That's awesome. That's awesome. How how can you? Maybe I'm naive. How can you in this world with everything being so expensive and everything being so like, I'm not just talking about your materials. I'm talking about like the internet and 
cell phone service and everything being so expensive, how does a company be self self funded these days? Like, how, how what does that look like? So I'm actually I'm really happy that you asked me that. This is something that I don't get to talk about very often. Um, my family, um, if I can go back to that, is middle class. Both my parents are children of immigrants and refugees, and so like they've worked their asses off their entire life ever since I can remember. My parents have been working super long hours and then coming home and doing the same thing at home to raise me and my brother. And um, I believe I'm privileged and lucky for that to see what hard work can do, but also to have that as like a role model, um, both my parents. And so being self-funded when it's me, my father and a friend of ours can be very difficult. One of the reasons why we chose socks was because we knew that it not it wasn't necessarily low risk because low risk is a relative term and um it's mm -hmm. still very expensive to fund something like this especially to start it's also very daunting to um face the reality where this is our life savings and a lot of work went into saving this in order to start this business and so it can be very scary um for us, it was it was a big moment to kind of just move forward with it. Uh, my parents had played it very safe their entire lives. And this was the one time, I guess, we wanted to take the risk. We believed in each other and we believed in the idea. And it was the same thing with me. I was willing to forego um, a, an income, basically, for many years. It was difficult. I'm 29 years old now. And... I lived with my parents up until last year. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but um, a lot of luxuries that my friends were um, used to, I basically had to give up. And um, it, it was a short-term sacrifice that I made thinking of the long-term. And uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily paid off in terms of like financial success. We obviously, we, we've seen growth and the company is, at a pretty good stage. Um, but it's, I think that, uh, being self-funded, it can seem impossible, but it's not. I think that, uh, especially with social media, it's been such a game changer for people like me. And, um, the reason is because you can test the product and you can reach an audience for free. Um, obviously you can pay for ads. That's something that we've done over the last uh, several years, but a lot of our engagement has been organic, especially since TikTok and Instagram Reels became a thing. And if you're really, really um, dedicated to your craft and you want to study the algorithms and what's going to work and what <clears throat> what's not, these are things that are attainable and you don't necessarily have to have deep pockets to launch a business. And I've had friends that I've met along the way, uh, friends who have all, like from the past who've started their own e-commerce businesses. And some of them have even started their business for next to nothing. And it's because they're able to test a product in theory uh, with an audience on social media. And if they see engagement, if they see positive feedback or demand for something, then they move forward with the investment. And so the product that they're releasing, they essentially know it's going to sell. And so the a lot risk less waste. Becomes, yeah, exactly. And so with us, we have that luxury now with social media, but it was more, it was also taking the leap of faith. Um, and I said, when I said like tight knit and conservative, um, 
we've really been that way. Like we're so, so dialed in with everything, whether it's our ad spend, uh, when we are spending, a lot of companies will just pump ads without any regard for what they're spending in hopes of just driving traffic to the website, gaining um, email signups and phone numbers. And they consider that growth. Whereas for a small business that's self-funded, growth can look a lot different. Growth needs to be profitable. And so that's something that we've, we've been battling uh, for many, many years now. It's it's huge concern and it's a hurdle that we have to get past constantly. Uh, when we're running ads or when we're doing anything, we have to see immediately that it is profitable. And so over the years through trial and error, through adjusting prices and through um, playing with different platforms like Google and Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, seeing what works and what doesn't, I'm watching over our ads constantly. Um, when we order new products, when we really do anything from ordering poly mailers to thank you cards, like every dollar we try to account for. I'm not a math guy. I'm actually quite terrible. So I give all the credit to my dad and my partner, William. Uh, they've done an amazing job with that. But I, I think just what it means to be self-funded, especially in today's day and age, when you're competing with big box stores <clears throat> and the large brands, it just basically means going at it with a different approach. You don't necessarily need to see quick growth. You don't necessarily need to see um, impressive numbers. You need to make sure that the growth you're seeing is profitable and will over time turn into something. And so although uh, we haven't seen like exponential growth, we haven't seen anything remarkable, we're not going to be the brand that goes on Dragon's Den and wows the, the dragons with phenomenal number. We are a brand that is profitable. We are a brand that is sustainable. We have no overhead, literally like it, low, low overhead, I should say we're in the basement, but um, we have no employees. And so we've been able to be profitable. We've been able to see growth. And now uh, I believe we're at the mark where we're closing in on our first million which is not anything crazy in the grand scheme of things when you're thinking about e-commerce over six years. But yeah. um, when I really thought about it and um, I let that sink in, I like, I, I honestly, it's, it would be a lie to say I wasn't proud just to hear that number to. Um, it's to a, it's a it. milestone for sure. It is a milestone. And I think that regardless of what happens with six ox, regardless of if it becomes a household name, regardless of, um, if this is something that was just like a stepping stone, I'm extremely proud of what we've done. Our customer base has been unbelievable to us. Um, we have a super, super loyal following. The feedback that we get on our products has been amazing. And uh, just the knowledge that I've accumulated over the last six years, I really look forward to the next chapter of my life with whatever I decide to start. I think that going into it with... Um, a much more refined approach and more experience will yield a larger result. So absolutely. And it's interesting that you're seeing this as almost like a stepping stone by saying that, you know, like this is something that you're passionate about and you're doing, but you also realize that this may not be the last thing you do and you're working toward what's next. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't mean it in a way where I don't have faith in six ox because over six years, a lot. If when people hear a number um, like where we're at, it's 
they'll make the assumption that it's not necessarily going to be a success. But what's been driving us is the feedback that we get. Number one, it's it's amazing. Um, I'm so like, like I said, I'm so super proud of that. But it's also the idea that I've been able to make this a sustainable thing for myself and my family, where it doesn't require 100% of my time. I can still do other things. I can still enjoy my life. I play hockey twice a week. I'm able to hang out with my friends and my girlfriend. And uh, I still am able to do photo and video work on the side to, um, to live, basically. I pay my bills. So... The fact that it's become this, I don't want to say passive because it does still require, I would say, probably 70% of my time. I'm doing it on my own. And uh, I think that it's pretty cool that even if it's not this massive company, if I can make this something that gives me um, stability and freedom, gives my parents the ability to retire at some point and have... Uh, a stable income. Like I said, it doesn't need to be anything crazy. I've, I've mm-hmm. never been in it for the the money. I think that the greatest thing about this company and the greatest thing about taking this risk was just the fact that I have the freedom now to do what I want and be my own boss and work with my dad, which is really cool. I always break it down to a couple things. What, like I do day tripper photo and it, it's maybe not as... Um, consistent as I'd like it to be, but the sense of pride and the feeling of joy when somebody books a workshop and, and we're done and they feel great because of it. I mean, success is relative is really what I'm getting at. It's true. And for you to say that, you know, you're not in it for the money. I know you have to have the money. I get that, but it's not all about the money. And it's about the whole big picture of, of what you're doing. And I love it. The product is really cool. I was looking through the website and I mean, it's not just socks, it's also masks and other things that you guys are doing. So um, creativity wise, are you involved in planning these new things? Aurora, I think you had something to say too. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to take away from where Aurora might've gone, but that's no. something I was asking too. Like, are you involved in the planning of building all the different materials and different products as well? Yeah. And that, well, I guess I, you I would think, have to be, it's your business. So Yeah. But, but uh, you would like, sometimes things get delegated. And like I said, there's certain things that I stay away from, especially numbers. My dad's probably laughing, uh, listening to this, but it's uh, <laughs> when it comes to anything in regards to like, whether it's content creation, whether it's customer service, I'm literally the person who answers the website chats. I get it to my phone. I can be like, like driving and I'll pass my phone off to my girlfriend. She'll answer That's how it's done now. Customer yeah. service chats. When it comes to designing the socks or dealing with the materials, these are all things that I've had to become familiar with. So um, getting to know our manufacturer, understanding what it takes, um, understanding the machinery used, like really understanding the textile industry, things that were completely foreign to me before I've become, I don't want to say an expert in, but I've definitely become more knowledgeable in, and I, it's part, I guess that's the most enjoyable thing about doing this is the knowledge you accumulate and just seeing like really how much goes into something that most people don't think too much about. And uh, even me, I'm obviously I was guilty of it. Like socks wasn't something that I thought about. I didn't dream of starting a sock company, but when I saw the opportunity and I realized that um, applying yourself to something like this and really trying to create something unique, when I saw exactly 
how much goes on behind the scenes, it just became more and more intriguing. And it's like, it's weird to say it's, it's kind of like a drug. And uh, I find myself, even though I have to be my own boss and my own time manager, I, I'm way more engaged with this stuff than I was with anything else. And You're I spent about it. Yeah. I, I spent level of interest. Yeah. And I just spent like countless hours doing this stuff. It's, I, it doesn't seem like work. And it sounds so cheesy to say, cause everyone always says that, but it literally doesn't. Cause it's, it's like a, it's like a video game. You're, you're playing a video game. And uh, so, yeah, designing the socks, um, really all of the, the niche things like we get samples in, I have to go over things with the fine tooth comb. I analyze the stitching and I have to like look into proper terminology. So when I'm dealing with our manufacturer, I can pinpoint exactly what the issue is. Um, if I find, cause one of the, it sounds ridiculous, but one of the things that I do is, um, because of the silver, whenever we get a new sample in, so we're doing a new style, um, I'll wear the sock for a prolonged period of time, usually around seven days. And I don't, I don't take it off other than when I go to bed. Uh, so, so I was going to talk about this because you had mentioned testing the product on social media and yeah. stuff like that. And I remember seeing one of your video where you wore the socks for set one one set of socks for seven days. So you yeah. do that for like all the new products? Yeah, yeah, it sounds crazy. And I, a lot of people are probably gonna cringe when they hear this, but it is something I do. Uh, I posted it on, I think it was TikTok when I first got on the platform. And uh, I was not a, like, what the crazy thing about TikTok is like, it was a cell phone video, not high budget, like not what I'm used to creating. It was just super quick and honest. and I. It was kind of quirky, I guess, because I told people I was going to be testing the socks for seven days and it blew up. It did like, I, I can't, I think 1.6 million views and wow. it was huge for, for the business at that time, because like I said, we weren't um, running ads. And so it was just a mind blowing experience. It showed me what was possible with social media, but yeah, the, it sounds crazy to say, but I wear the socks for sometimes longer than a week. And the reason is because I want to make sure that the silver they've uh, added to the socks is sufficient. Uh, I know the silver works. Um, I've tested it many times. The company, like I said, they're super legit, very cool. They're called Noble Biomaterials. And uh, everything they make is like top notch. They've been supplying some huge organizations. And um, like I said, NASA, the US military. So I'll wear the socks. I just want to make sure that the percentage was met. Usually the threshold is like eight to 10% of the sock needs to be silver. And uh, if they smell or if they start to smell during that time, then I know it's not working properly. And so what I, I just, I make it a habit that every time we get a new sample in and we're about to place an order for a new style, regardless of what the style is, I have to wear it for the duration of the week. And sometimes it can be ridiculous because if it's an athletic sock and I have to dress up and I'm wearing Athletic socks, it's it can look a little silly, <laughs> and the opposite, right? So if I'm if I'm testing a dress sock and um, I'm going to the gym, I can look a little silly. But I uh, the video that I went viral with was a sock. It was blue stripes. It was it was a men's like dress sock, and it was pretty hilarious. I ended up wearing it for the week. I wore it everywhere. I wore it to hockey <clears> twice. <throat> I wore it to the gym. I wore it uh, with shorts. So it's uh, it's. 
kind of funny, but that's something that I. That's a win-win though. Yeah. It's quality control, but it's also good conversation. Yeah, exactly. How many how many Sorry. times you talk to somebody? Oh yeah, the well I'm testing these socks. I've worn them for six days already, and see yeah. smell you sticking in someone's face. I, I would do, I'd do stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of. I feel like Sean would too. <laughs> Honestly, I don't have laundry in my in my apartment right now, so I wear my socks very sparingly. So I'll wear the same pair for like five to seven days before like once i start to smell my feet like through my shoes that's usually when oh. i'm like okay i gotta fucking stop this shit <laughs> so uh, i think six socks might be good for you <laughs> I'm, hoping, I'm hoping so i gotta try them <laughs> that's awesome how, how do you um uh, sorry my, my first question is where is the material made uh good question so the silver comes from the u.s the company is based in Pennsylvania and our manufacturer is in Taiwan. So that was another thing for us was early on, like obviously finding manufacturers. I knew nothing about that. Um, neither did my father. Luckily for us, our friend, our partner um, did. And he had spent a portion of his life in the retail industry working in sourcing. So he flew around the world, um, mostly dealing with leather products, but really getting to understand um, how to work with manufacturers, how to communicate with them. And uh, when it came to finding a manufacturer, my first thought was I want to manufacture in Canada. I want to do everything locally. I was young, naive, and re I quickly realized that that wasn't necessarily an option for us. It could have, it was an option for sure, but it would have been a very expensive one. And um, more often than not, I got laughed not laughed out of the room, but laughed off the phone. Um, we just, we didn't have the ability to manufacture locally, whether it was in Canada or the States. And simply because we're competing with such large retailers, people who are placing huge orders um, where the minimums are in the thousands. And for a small self-funded business, when you want to start a company and offer more than one design, it's literally impossible. We did a lot of research in terms of where we wanted to go. Um, many companies, as you know, opt for China. Um, and we were just in search of two things, really. The like best quality, but also um, the ethical side of things as well. We wanted to make sure that um, everything was up to North American standard. And so we learned that there's something called RAP certification. It's W. R-A-A-P, I believe. And then um, we found a manufacturer in Taiwan. Um, our partner flew over there. I'm pretty jealous. Uh, I've been to Taiwan for a layover, but I still haven't been to our facility oh. where we manufacture. But uh, they were really good to us. And they were very lenient with us when we first started as well. Because like I said, minimum order quantity can be a super scary thing that just when you find out what MOQ means when you start a business and you realize like, oh, wow, if I want to offer three colorways and the minimum is 600 per style, like it, it can be really crazy. So mm -hmm. we got very lucky. We found a good manufacturer. We've been uh, with them since. And it's just been, it, we've essentially been very in very close contact. So they might, might hate us for it. We, go back and forth quite a bit when I get those samples and I do those seven day tests and I analyze the stitching and do all those things it is very common for me to, or my father or partner to send them back, send them a ton of notes 
for adjustments in terms of sizing or stitching. Um, and so we built a relationship with them and that's, that's basically, uh, how the manufacturing side is done. The, the socks are all made in Taiwan though. Awesome. I have lots of questions, but I don't want to talk over everybody. Aurora, if you had other things you wanted to ask. No, go for it. Go for it. Well, I mean, my first one to get back into uh, was the family dynamic because I mean, you must really like your dad (laughs) (laughs) to be able to work that close with family. I mean, we talk about how we do this kind of thing to help our mental health. If I love my dad, don't get me wrong, but if I had to work with him, on a project like this, I don't, I don't think it would last. So what, is it a special relationship you have with your dad? Or is he just really understanding and you guys just have good communication or is it respect? Like explain that situation. So it's a number of things. Um, first of all, I'll say that my dad is the most patient person that I've ever known. Uh, very forgiving. I consider myself to be patient, but I can, um, be temperamental at times. I can get flustered and frustrated. I've been known to uh, smack a keyboard here and there. And so it's, uh, I would think that the stability comes from him. Um, our partner is a good friend, um, also very patient, kind individual. And so working with him has been a pleasure. But obviously, uh, disagreements and uh, frustration they can get the best of you at times it's been difficult but very very little and like i said uh, my dad is kind of the glue that holds everything together and um it it was hard i i'm not gonna lie because for the first five years of the business it was um all under one roof so my dad who had like i said lost his job was also working from home with me and uh, I was relegated to my bedroom. Really? I had the same desk that I'm sitting at now and I was in there for five years. That's what my life was. It was my bedroom and my basement. And my dad has a small office in the house and uh, that can be difficult. It can um, create tension, but I don't know. I, I think that uh, overall, the fact that I get to work with my dad in this capacity is a blessing. It's I'm very, very lucky for it. And I've learned a lot from him. Um, yeah, it's it's been That's good. Awesome. I, I really don't I don't have any complaints. I know um, it can depending on who you work with. I think that that's something that you have to consider first and <clears throat> foremost is just before starting a business with somebody or before getting involved, just do you mesh like are things um or do your personalities kind of like benefit each other so that's something that we the dynamic that we have i think i guess you would know that about your own dad by the time you yeah. get into a business so it's not like you yeah. learn new things i guess well maybe you would but not not the really important things <laughs> uh, you know what though it's funny because like uh really before this like i i didn't know him in that capacity i saw like the work ethic from both of my parents, I, I was well aware of, and I know their personalities, but never really uh, had the ability to look at any, like either of my parents as a peer in the regard of like business. And uh, 
So I guess that was unique. It was different. Um, I had to get used to that. And I think maybe that was like something, it didn't seem like he had any type of learning curve to it. Like he treated me with respect and like an adult from the beginning. So it's, I think that that also made things a lot smoother. Yeah, um, if really someone is being my dad, like having the ability to kind of override me on things and then not doing that all the time, I guess that says a lot. Yeah. Very cool. For sure. I, I mean, that's really great. You have that uh, relationship with your dad and um, it works so well in business with you guys together. And, yeah, it's pretty much awful. essential at that point though. Yeah. Yeah. And without that, Six Ox would have probably not lasted the five years, right? So six years. No, nope. I mean the five <laughs> yeah. years while you were living together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, the, giving perspective as well, and I'll give credit to um, William and my father when it comes to measuring success. Um, I, you guys can speak to this as well, I'm sure, um, especially with our generation. It's kind of like with social media and the ability to constantly see what your peers are doing people you know other people in the business other entrepreneurs you're constantly comparing yourself to them and um especially when you're super aware of what the market looks like and um the new innovators what they're doing and seeing the numbers and the milestones and everything that they're accomplishing um those are the things that people post right so those are the things that you see and you become fixated on those and so it's really easy to lose sight of your accomplishments and it's really easy to be down like get down on yourself and think like wow what i did in six years they did in the first six months but as you said earlier brian it's these things are relative success is relative and uh, money isn't necessarily an indicator of success anyways so my dad and William have been reminding me of that for the last six years. When I tell them that we need to ramp things up or we need to reevaluate if the business is worth continuing to put this amount of time into, they're the first ones to tell me and like sit me down and say, like, look at what we've accomplished, line them up, whether it's features that we've had on TV, the several uh, viral videos, um, the celebrities and uh, athletes and all these really cool people who have endorsed us. And then most importantly, they point me to the reviews and the emails that we get constantly, the customer service chats that we always get. I've built, or not I've, we've built a following where um, we're very in touch with all these people. And, um, I've gotten to know many, many people. And it sounds ridiculous to say because I don't know how exactly how many orders. I want to say probably 16, 15 to 16,000 orders have come in over the last six years. I recognize almost all of the names and so did my dad because it's like obviously first-time customers. That's a different story. But we know when we get one, we have regulars, we have um, people where I've been to their homes and it sounds ridiculous, but that's also another thing that um, I've been very adamant on continuing is um, I visit my customers. I do a lot of hand deliveries. And so um, these little things, these little reminders that I'm constantly given and forced to look at, that's 
been the biggest thing. And I think that uh, having that perspective from them is actually what's kept the business together because um, I don't know where I would be otherwise. I don't know if I, if I didn't have that type of guidance, would I be doing more freelance work? Would I have started something else and abandoned something? I mean, there's a famous picture. I don't think that I'll, I'd be able to pull it up right now, but there's a picture of, uh, it's a guy in like a, a mine with a, a pickaxe and he's like, he's hitting the rocks in the top photo. And you can just see maybe like a foot away is this like huge mine of diamonds. And uh, in the second photo, he's pictured walking away with the axe over his shoulder and just kind of like to symbolize that he's given up right before things were um, going to like yield like a, a crazy um, result for him. So it's, I look at it that way. And I think that uh, it's a matter of time before we get our like big break, I guess you would say. Nice. So. What does that big break look like to you? Somebody coming along a big company and buying it? Uh, also a good question. Uh, we had for the first time ever, which I think I, probably one of the most, the proudest moments I've ever had was uh, I had an individual, I know it seems ridiculous to say, but there are a lot of sock companies out there. Um, a much larger sock company with a very, very, um, cool young entrepreneur who's seen much success, um, around the same, I would say he started around the same time as us. They're based in Vancouver. I had uh, an inquiry to actually purchase Six Ox, which um, was super flattering. And uh, that's one of the miles, major milestones of uh, the business so far, I think, is having someone reach out and ask. It just tells me like, okay, we're, we're doing something right. They value in it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. And I, I guess to speak to like what... Um, what you said is, I, I don't know. I never, I've never really had a vision for where this is going to go. My goals have always been to retire my parents um, and then to achieve some type of freedom, which is uh, just basically means to continue being my own boss and to have the ability to travel, which is a huge passion of mine, mm. to continue taking photos and videos and just... Uh, Live life yeah. in a positive way. Yeah, just having fun. So cool. I, I don't necessarily have a vision for where it's going to go, but I think I, it's a safer way I to be. Hopes. Yeah. Start getting those <laughs> visions and they don't happen, then you're bringing yourself down. So you just riding it. Love it. Yeah. But I also, one of the, sorry to keep ranting, but like one of the weird things, I guess, that I've learned, I don't know if it's weird, but expectations kind of change as you do these things more and more. And the further I got into the business, the more I became independent uh, financially. And the more I became uh, aware of my surroundings, I realized that I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think that it necessarily matters. Like, especially if, if you're thinking of it the same way I am, it doesn't matter where you're going. Um, every step you take, you're moving in a direction. And uh, that direction you're taking, you're constantly taking these steps. You're going to end up somewhere. You may not know where it is right now, but um, that's exactly how the business has been. That's, a, that's what we've done for the last six years is we've just mm -hmm. taken 
constantly taking another step. And I think that a lot of people can get discouraged really quickly. This, just like what you said, like you ha- they have this vision and if they're not at that milestone by six months or a year or two years, they think that it's not worth pursuing. And I've had many, many people tell me that, that I should move on and that um, this isn't necessarily my, my golden ticket, but I don't look at it that way. I just look at it like I'm going to keep taking strides because I have the ability to do it. And most importantly, I enjoy it. And uh, I don't really care where I end up. I just know that five years from now, I'll be somewhere else because I'm continuously taking those steps. Sure. But you're taking smart steps too. Like you're evaluating the market. You're making changes when you have to. You're trying to, you're making smart steps. Yeah. It's not just blind steps. Yeah. You can tell by the way you talk about your business and the product um, that you really care about. You got, you all really care about it because you want it to not only succeed in profitability, but you also want it to just be a good product for your customers. And I think that's really amazing because there's so many brands out there and they just put out a product, they rush it out, whatever, and it's faulty or defective or not quite up to the standards of, you know, what, the expectation is it smells in two days <laughs> <laughs> that's a but, fail <laughs> no but honestly Aurora, that's it uh that resonates with me more than anything else and it's because um i quickly realized and obviously going into it as like a, i think i was 22 when we first started working on this stuff your intentions are not that my intentions were different, but my understanding of it was different. What it meant to be a business owner and what it meant to be successful. Um, I realized really fast that if you believe in what you're doing and if you're trying to create something of value, you're trying to create a product, if you're selling a product and your goal is to create something that enhances somebody's life in some way and that's your focus and you actually believe that that's what you're doing, that's what your intentions are, that's going to make you successful. That's the most important thing because if you're starting a business with financial, like the only thing on your mind is financial success and you're so, so focused on the money, you're ignoring everything else. And um, I guess something that's very commonly talked about in the industry is um, a lot of brands will focus on what's called the company journey, which is look at us. This is what we're doing. This is our milestone. This is where we're at now. And then this is the story of our brand. This is the story of our founders. So that's the company journey. But what's going to make your brand successful is if you focus on the customer journey and the customer journey is their experience with your brand. Why is your product good for them? How is it going to is it going to change your life? Is it going to enhance their life? What is their relationship to the product and the brand? And uh, I've become fixated on that because I've realized that really the recipe for success is genuinely caring what you're putting out there because you can, I'm sure you can like, there are swindlers out there, you know, there are uh, snake oil salesmen and, you can do that, but it's never going to yield long-term mm-hmm. success. It's never going to be something that you'll, at the end of the day, be proud of. It'll never be something that lasts. And so to build a lasting impression and to build something that I'm proud of and my father's proud of and my partner's proud of, 
we've just been very focused on how to make the customer experience better and really listening to them. And so that's, I guess, to speak to what you said, that's where I pay most of my attention. And that's what I'm most passionate about is um, I never want to lose sight of that because it's easy. It's easy to lose sight of that to want to make changes because they're more, it'll make the product more profitable to want to make cuts here and there to be stingy when you think it's going to uh, help. But the reality is those little things, they add up and people see them. People can mm -hmm. see right through you. If you're trying to, um, if you're trying to pull the rug out from under them, they know. And even if they don't know at first, they'll find out. Yeah. Just don't lay off a third or half of your staff because that would suck. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to get far. I love focus on the customer journey. Aurora, we were talking about ideas for like promoting Henry's and stuff like that over the past. And, and I always talk about, talk about the history and how it's Canadian, this and that when really it, it is, it's about the customer journey and that's really what should be focused on. And all the generations of people that have dealt with Henry's over the years would be interesting to see that as an ad rather than, and I love that philosophy too. Like all the free, like, I mean, applying this to our work, uh, all the free workshops we, yeah, you know, offer and, um, the events and photo walks and stuff like that. That's really, I mean, David actually a couple times went on photo walks with me when I was in the Thornhill Hill store and the customers that went out to those events, like were just so happy, um, that they got something, it, it was totally free. Um, and the whole idea of the walk is to, you know, uh, speak to a particular topic like macro photography or landscape or wildlife or whatever it may be, um, and have products that are good for those things, um, so that the customer can try it out. Um, but, you know, having that experience, something unique that, you know, another That's place would not be able to do is really what, what bring sets, them back, yeah. sets a brand apart. Uh, for sure. So absolutely. absolutely. Sean, we got to get you some of these socks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I need them right now. Actually. I took one of my socks off cause uh, they were in very sweaty boots all day. Did it run so. away? Did it skitter across the floor and just, you know what? I'm, I'm about to run away. In a, in a, in a, in a, I need, I need like some sort of proper ventilation in this place. It's, it's kind of bad. <laughs> Like if I, if I, if I somehow pass out and die, uh, I mean, neither of you guys know where I live, so I'm pretty much kaput anyways. Oh no, <laughs> David, there's a good advertising campaign. It, it's a lot cheaper than new ventilating systems. <laughs> <laughs> Just get these socks. You don't have to worry about new ventilating systems. Actually, yeah. I was thinking of another thing. Your overhead is actually underfoot. It's true. Uh, <laughs> I, I should be using that. I've been making videos saying, uh, like talking about the low overhead and then filming literally like the low ceilings in my basement. But that's better. <laughs> Your overhead is underfoot. There you go. Yeah. Good Lord. Actually, no, I have, I have a quick question, actually. Sure. Uh, so this is, I don't really know how to word this. I was thinking about it the whole, the whole fucking time and I can't figure it out for the life of me. Um, <laughs> So running, running this business, uh, and you're obviously your business on the side. Um, I'm assuming you, you know, judging by how much you talk about, uh, your photography and your videography, um, does running these businesses kind of deter you from your like creativity, like in order to spark a new idea for like a, a photo you want to take or a video you want to take or whatever. Like, is there anything about running these businesses and doing as much work as you do that 
kind of, you know, kills the creative vibes a little bit? Yes. So um, definitely one of the, you know what, what, the truth, the sad truth is that when you're doing, like when it comes to photo and video, the more you do it for work, the less you're likely to do it for pleasure. And um, I used to love travel photography uh, in particular. It was something that really brought joy to my life. And like, I was always looking for the next adventure. And the idea behind it was with a camera in my hand, I'm more likely to climb that extra 100 feet or I'm more likely to put myself in an uncomfortable situation because the end goal is I'm going to get that photo or there might be a photo over that ridge. And so I've, I spent many years when I was younger um, doing that. And the more I started doing it for work, the less I started doing it for pleasure. Um, it can be hard because I just, uh, the free time that I have, it's like, do I want to spend it with electronics? I spend so much time, an unhealthy amount of time on social media um, with the business, occasionally on my own profile. Uh, I also, um, when it comes to the freelance work, I do a lot of real estate stuff, which honestly I love. It's pretty awesome. Uh, it's I get to be alone a lot of the time. I work with some really cool people currently. And um, it's very peaceful to walk into a, a property and just, have a few hours by yourself and shoot, whether you listen to a podcast or put some music on, it's nice, but I'm just less likely to take my camera with me now. Um, and I try to force myself. So I guess I go back and forth on this stuff. I went uh, this past winter, I took a short trip to Whistler to do some snowboarding. And I told myself I was gonna do a really cool edit. I was gonna bring my drone and GoPro and all that good stuff. And uh, ended up not doing that. I did enjoy the trip. Like it was a phenomenal experience, but I probably should have created content because like I said, I think it just forces me to do a little bit more. And uh, the last time I took a camera with me for pleasure, I think it was um, a couple of years ago. I don't remember where I went. I think I went to maybe Thailand uh, and I, I definitely spent a lot of time taking photos and videos there. And I can say, honestly, when you get past that hurdle, which is like just taking it out of the backpack or just bringing it with you in the first place, it's things are, it's so enjoyable. You just go right back to how it used to be where I loved doing it. And, uh, it's really just forcing yourself. It, I think the same thing goes with all aspects of my life. Like, I don't want to go to the gym, but I force myself and, uh, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be on my computer all day, whether it's editing videos or whether it's um, working on six sock stuff. A lot of the time, if it's a nice day outside, or my friends ask me to do something. There's so like, there's so many temptations, but if you force yourself and the good things happen. So I, I guess that was a long answer again to a short question, but uh, I just, yeah, <laughs> I do find myself doing less creative stuff for fun because I'm forced to be creative for work. And I, I also don't want to take away too much from that because the reality is I do enjoy the work that I do. So I guess I do get some fulfillment out of being creative because when I put together a cool ad campaign, uh, I send a lot of like funny, quirky emails to kind of invoke a reaction from our audience. Whenever I can do things like that and I see some type of, I don't know, not a reward, but when I see the result of that, I, it does bring me a lot of joy. So whether it's creating an ad 
for the business on social media or putting together like a really cool sizzle reel for a client and having them freak out, I still get some joy of the creative process. Yeah. I see. I I feel you because I've, it's going to make me sound like I'm fucking 60 years old, but um, I skated, I've been skateboarding for just over 20 years and I'm not, I'm probably the same age as you, I guess. 94, right? Yeah. Perfect. So we're the same age, basically. I'm going to be 29 this year. So, um, skateboarding for just over 20 years. And, um, I, I remember I got sponsored by a a local company out of Uxbridge, a couple of buddies of mine, and they had this, this grip tape company. And, um, it was constant, like going to, 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 to contests and trying to put together like full street parts and making sure I'm at skate parks and trying to, you know, represent the brand and all this other stuff. So doing that, kind of like competitively and like really trying to take it seriously was it, it really kind of took away from the fun of, you know, tossing, tossing myself like a rag doll down a set of stairs for, for shits and giggles. Right. So, um, I took a, a nice brief hiatus, probably about a year and a half, almost two years, uh, away from skateboarding to focus on work and, uh, you know, my car and, and another podcast I do outside of expressions. Um, and, getting back into it recently, it's like, I've figured out like, you know what? I just like, you know, fucking around with my friends, right? Like it's, I go and I have fun. I don't beat the piss out of myself like I used to anymore. And, um, I find that it's more enjoyable when I, you know, you take away the the competitive aspect from it. So I feel exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And I, so I actually, I'll shout out two people here that, uh, also for some reason, I don't know what it is about skateboarding, but it kind of, uh, skateboarding and just like content creator they just go hand in hand like a lot of the people that i know like that i grew up with the the ones that skateboarded were uh they just became like photographers and video people or somewhere doing something creative and uh i don't know what it is um but something about skaters it's just you know, it, I guess it invokes that that uh, that out of you. And two people in particular that I, I want to mention. Um, I have a friend named uh, Mitch and another friend named Daniel. Um, Mitch is a very talented photographer and editor, and he creates like these really cool pieces of artwork with a mixture of like street photography and like insane Photoshop skill. He's been doing it for so many years. And he posts on his Instagram regularly for nobody. He literally is just like, he's never cared about having an audience. I don't think he's ever really cared about what people thought, but he's been able to continuously find joy in doing that in the creative process. And he's purposely stayed away from work in that specific niche because he thinks that if he were to do that, then the passion for like one of his favorite things, which is street photography and, uh, and editing, it's, it's going to fizzle out. And you know what, to give him credit, he's probably right. But, um, that's a really cool creator. If you want to look him up, it's, uh, at M T S H L L and, uh, really cool stuff on Instagram. And then the other guy that has been very like inspiring to watch is, uh, his name is Daniel Schiffer. Uh, he's actually Aurora knows a very, he's a regular client at uh, our Henry Thornhill location. And I got to know him that way, actually um, become friends with him over the years, which is pretty cool. And I've been able to see him grow his channel from 
his YouTube channel from like 16,000 subs when I first met him to, I think he's at like 2.25 million now, which is really cool. Um, he's like, I think he idolized Peter McKinnon and now he's basically become the next Peter McKinnon. And uh, yeah, he was able to do exactly what I thought was impossible, which is create content for fun that like seemingly nobody was watching at first and just continuously create that content that he enjoyed doing for no money, just because he wanted to do it. Um, and he turned the passion into a business. And uh, I think he's like, I've spoken to him. I know he's had different thoughts and you can see it on his YouTube channel. He talks about it pretty openly. Um, why he stopped creating as frequently, but I think that he's been able to find the perfect balance between the fun and the creativity and then turning it into a viable business. And he's stayed true to what he's been doing since the beginning, which is just like really epic B-roll. So that's a good example of what's possible if you uh, can find that, that harmony between for fun and for business. Yeah. Cool. Peter McKinnon. Is he shop at your location still? I'm friends with Peter. Oh, nice. Well, uh, past almost past tense, I guess you could say. He worked at our store. No, I know. I was I I was aware he worked at the Henry's Newmark. I know that he goes in there from time to time. No, not any, not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. No. Um. He he's an interesting guy. He's one of those guys that has the hustle and the talent. You know what I mean? There's very few yep. people I know that have the hustle and the talent. You can have the talent, you can have the hustle, True. but when you got both and you 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 have support behind you, you become Peter McKinnon. And uh, <laughs> that's I mean I, I've known a lot of talented people. I, I consider our friend Navi Noom to be equally as talented as Peter, but she just didn't have the the hustle, I guess you could say, to put herself in that position. That's my opinion. I love Navi. I think she's incredible, and I and she's perfectly happy doing what she's doing. I'm not trying to say she's not, but um, yeah, you have to have that hustle, and you've got the hustle. Obviously, I mean, you you've dedicated your life to it. Uh, it reminds me of a quote too. Uh, I don't remember who it was that said it. Some comedian, I think I watched say, basically, he says all these people that talk about how when you're young, you're supposed to party and enjoy life and do all the things that you're supposed to do while you still can. And you don't have the responsibilities and so on. Uh, but he says that's all bullshit because when you're young is when you're supposed to be working your ass off so that you can save the money and you can prepare yourself for a future that you can retire to normal age and actually enjoy life while you still can. Um, I like that philosophy. I've pretty much done that without making the money part, but <laughs> you know, it is what it is, <laughs> but I think that's where you're at as well. I mean, you're, you're, you've really sacrificed a lot of things to put this in a strong position so that it may become something that you retire off of, or it may become something that, you know, you, you retire your parents off of, like you say, I think that's a bigger goal. I can understand why too. Uh, they've worked their asses off and I respect that. So, um, and I got to give your parents a lot of credit. You probably don't get this from a lot of people, but um, being a child of a situation where the parents nece couldn't necessarily give the support that they maybe wanted to, um, it makes a huge difference in someone's life when you have parents that are supportive and for you to be able to work with your father. And I mean, you haven't talked about your mom that much. I mean, I don't know if there's, if she's just uh, helping out no, with it as well. Been, or... She's been like equally amazing. I think that early on my mom was worried 
for me, like in the same regard that any mom would be worried for her child, where I told her um, I'm not doing the nine to five anymore. Or I'm like quitting the job and I'm going to spend most of my time working for free can be a scary thing for any parent to hear. Um, but my dad, I guess, working on it with me, he was uh, more inclined to like be okay with it. Whereas my mom was rightfully so very nervous for me. But I think over the years, she's been able to better understand that um, it is possible and that mm -hmm. I am truly willing to put in the work. And so, um, yeah, I may not be seeing like the immediate success, as you mentioned, but I am setting myself up for um, future success. And uh, I owe that to both my parents because I think I got definitely got good and bad traits as everyone does, but um, sure. seeing how they were and uh, the work ethic, the discipline and the respect that they instilled, I think that that, uh, I mean, it's instrumental because you can't, I don't know, I, I have to give them all the credit really when it comes to that. That's awesome. Well, I'm sure they love doing it for you. So I don't think that's hurting them to do it. Um, do we have any other questions or should we get to the... Yeah, uh, I was just about to ask, does anybody have any other questions before we move on to the last three? Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. Good. Okay. All right. So uh, we have three questions that we always ask at the end of every um, podcast. Um, so the first question... Um, is what's your jam what's your favorite song or that song that's gonna get you pumped up and excited and you know you just always love listening to you can't turn it off you have to listen to it all the way through when you stop your car in your driveway what's that song <laughs> it's a good question um i thought i always blank whenever the pressure's on but yeah. I, as you were saying it i was already thinking um, I definitely have two. Um, the first one is Cage the Elephant. The song is called Shake Me Down. It's uh, one of my favorite songs. I got a tattoo for that, which was, uh, they're just, the band themselves, I love. Um, the name Cage the Elephant, I just thought was like a super cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it's like a metaphor for something or what, but I, I uh, would say that song. And I've been really, really, into uh there's an art a canadian artist he's from saskatchewan and his name is coulter wall and uh i found him by accident on spotify like i don't know a couple of years ago when i was i used like the my radio feature and i think i i love all of his music super super talented guy but i think uh sleeping on the blacktop or um kate mccannon one of those two I love it when people have more than one song. It makes me feel so good. Yeah, it's, it's hard <laughs> to just, narrow it down. It's, yeah. it's tough, man. It's a tough question to, to answer. I remember when it I was is. a guest on the podcast uh, for the first time here and before I became a permanent host, I was I was so stumped. I was like, man, what the fuck song am I going to pick? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it was always so easy for me. I, I'm, I'm very narrow with my musical taste. It's, it's something by Tool. I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, I have two or three that I could call it any day. So anyway. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I I love Cage the Elephant. So yeah, yeah, awesome. I, I'm pretty sure I know what song you're talking about. It's been a while. Um, but yeah, uh, awesome. Very unique sound. Yeah, um, there's uh, like that. 
about there's that. a line in that song that uh, I guess that's what like the whole the first time I heard the song I saw the music video so I guess that's left a huge impression on me just because like the video was really epic too it's kind of like this it's this short sequence of um I guess this man's life and uh I don't want to spoil it I'll let you guys uh watch it if you want but there's a line and it's uh even on a cloudy day I'll keep my eyes fixed on the sun and I thought that that was I don't know like there's a lot of really great lines in that song but that one in particular stood out to me because like I said earlier it's so easy to get down on yourself it's so easy to compare yourself to somebody else it's so easy to fall into all of these traps and I fall into them all the time I, I'm not past any of those things but um just remembering that and knowing that yeah bad day doesn't mean a bad week or um that there is like you may not think you are where you need to be but you are and uh there's always something to be proud of there's always something to like to hold up to that, you know, that high standard. And uh, I don't know, that line really just stuck with me. So that's, that's, that's probably cool. my favorite song. That's awesome. Okay. Um, moving on to the next question. Uh, what's your tool of the trade? Um, that thing that you need, it could be a physical thing, like an actual tool or whatever it may be, but it could also be like a concept or a state of mind or whatever it may be. What is that tool that you need to get through your day um, to be productive, to uh, be creative? What is that tool? That's uh, it's a good question. I, I mean, I think that for all content creators, all of us here, we can attest to this. Like this is, um, if you can find out how to tap into that, that creative space at will that's like the greatest gift that anyone could ever ask for um like everyone else i do my best to tap into that when i can i think that i don't know that a tool for me would be physical i think i've been trying to focus more on how to put myself in i don't know if you would call it like a flow state or um a creative headspace i take some time away from the craziness of like my phone, which can be super addicting um, or on my computer. And I just, uh, I live near a forest, which is nice. I, I'll force myself to stand outside every morning. So I have, um, there's two dogs here and uh, every morning I take them out. And I think having that like break in the morning when they're doing their business and uh, I'm just yeah. standing out there. I tend to look up, try to get as much like natural light into my eyes. Shout out to Andrew Huberman. That's, that's where I heard that. But I, uh, yeah, I think that taking the moment to kind of decompress before the day starts. And for me, it's being in nature. So um, not become, I guess the tool would be not becoming detached from what it means to be human. And for me, that means like being outside and being in touch with um, whether it's a cold day or a hot day or the sound of birds chirping or whatever. I, I try to prioritize having at least a moment of that every day. That's deep. We all spend so much time on our phones and our computers and like 
yeah, when you're on TikTok or Instagram scrolling, you hear all these gurus telling you to do exactly that, like take some time away. But like I've seen a huge difference in my own life and I highly recommend that everyone try to do it. Um, we are, the more we become attached to technology and the more, uh, the more we're consumed by these like social media apps that are super addicting, TV shows, the streaming platforms, the just the pressure of being on your computer all day for work, the more you like get sucked into that lifestyle, the less you feel human. And uh, I've become, I don't want to say unwell, but I've become like um, unbalanced and I've had my fair share of stress and anxiety. And um, I find that it's exacerbated when I'm spending too much time focused on getting that project done on my computer or interacting with people on social media or trying to think of what our next post or caption is going to be. And when you're too fixated on that and you forget what else is out there, when you forget to like make eye contact with somebody or you forget to go outside and breathe fresh air, it's uh, it can make a really big impact. So I just, uh, I think everyone's aware of this, but it's something that like for me, it's just, I can't go without it because everyone, I'm sure all, all of us here have had the days where you're so dialed in on your electronics for whatever reason, whether it's a game or work or like a creative project that you're working on for fun. Like when you spend that day morning to night focused on that screen, you don't feel too good before you go to bed. So, uh, in order to keep myself like balanced and my mental health in check, I just uh, try to spend as much time in nature or outside as I can. Yep. That's my gimmick too. Whenever I'm whatever, just got to get in the car and take off, just drive to somewhere out in nature and just love it. And my wife and I pretty much do the same thing. Just get in the car and go to nature. Amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, the last question uh, is, what would you challenge our listeners or viewers to do? Uh, we ask every hope, uh, every guest on the show uh, to challenge our viewers or listeners, um, something for them to try this week. Or that's, continually. <laughs> no, that's, that's, uh, that's a good question, actually. Uh, I was going to, immediately I was going to say, to get outside but everyone knows that everyone hears that all the time um you also hear from i'm sure there's someone in your life or someone you've seen online telling you to spend less time on your devices and so it's not a new thing for me to say that but i guess i would challenge somebody to not just spend less time on their device like if it means going outside and not taking your phone with you or if it means like going into a different room and reading a book and not having your phone with you, the challenge is not necessarily not having the electronic device with you. The challenge would be being comfortable with not having it with you because I forced myself to go on these walks or get that fresh air and not take my phone. And even though I preach this stuff, I'm telling you, I like, I feel like I'm missing something when I'm out there. I feel the urge to, pull out my phone and start scrolling because the immediate gratification of looking at trees is just not there. So it's like, I challenge, I think 
what I'm trying to say is I would challenge the person to, first of all, leave it behind, take that step outside, but be comfortable and be satisfied when you don't have it. Try to get to that place. And some days I do, and some days I don't. If I post a really cool edit on my Instagram page or uh, I send an email blast to our customers that I thought was like super witty, all I want to do is just stare at my phone and see the results. I want to see if it's Instagram. I want to see my friends liking my picture. I want to see the feedback. I want to, I want the instant gratification. And so even if I were to leave my phone inside and go for that walk, that's all I would be thinking about. And uh, so I try to remind myself that there are things outside of uh, this digital life that we have. And I guess I would challenge somebody to do the same thing and truly be happy reading a book or watching the birds fly by over your house, driving your car without your phone and just enjoying like the sound of the wind and like the, I, I don't the experience of driving. And I don't know. I think that that's, okay. uh, that's something that I would recommend. These are books, aren't they? Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen these in a while. I didn't even know I had these back here. I should really yeah, guilty of it too. I like that idea. I should probably do that. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, that's a yeah, good idea. I gotta say, the last books that I claim to have read, I I listened to audio yeah. versions of the books. Because I couldn't be bothered to spend the time to actually sit. I down. don't have the time to, I do to that. listen I just to. It while I, was I can't even read. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> I I forcibly try not to read. I mean, I have a I have a whole collection of comic books I still have yet to go through. But the pictures are pretty. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, I will say this: when it comes to audiobooks, I got nothing against audiobooks. I think that, especially for how busy people are, the amount of time you spend commuting in your car or whatever, I would say there's nothing wrong with an audiobook. Um, it's just, do you are you going to have the temptation to pull out your phone and start doing something while it's playing, or can you be truly engaged in what the reader is saying? It's yeah. so true, though. I mean, Aurora and I, we both had this happen all the time. We have customers coming and bringing in their disposable film cameras to get developed. A huge thing now is disposable yeah. film cameras. And it's crazy how popular it is. Drives me nuts. I don't understand it. But then I'm asking my <laughs> customers, like, why, why use this? And the best answer I ever got was, you know, you're hanging out with your friends and you go to take a picture. So you grab your phone. You notice you've got some notifications. Next thing you know, you're down this rabbit hole of social media and hanging out with your phone rather than the people that you're with. And it detaches you from the moment. And um, that's when I finally realized that the world is actually starting to see that social media isn't, you know, all it's cracked up to be. You should detach from it. And yeah, I think it's true. It's such a different thing being comfortable, not bringing your phone with you than yeah. just not bringing your phone. That is so yeah. true. And I'm totally guilty of this. And I feel really stupid because every time I post a picture for wrestling or something like that, you're right. I will sit there waiting. Okay. Who's going to be the first person to like it? You know, like I hate to admit it. I feel like I'm just a horrible person for even admitting it. And I was really thought it was really Normal. cool that, that you admitted it. Like I was like, wow, it's, it's, it's actually people do this. I thought it's just like an <laughs> ego thing where you have to, you know, I, I'm not an ego person. I don't like ego. So to think that it's an ego thing making me want to see people like my comments, 
bothered me. I made it made me feel bad about myself. You shouldn't. It's a human thing. We're humans are we're social creatures, and uh, it's completely normal to want some type of validation or credit for what you did. Or it's it goes back to like, like it's just human nature, and uh, social media exploits that. I'm not saying anything new. I'm sure like you guys have seen like whether you've seen snippets or articles or you've seen the actual thing, like there's so many little like pieces on this or like, I, I, I don't remember what the most recent one was called. I don't know. I just had it on the tip of my tongue and I forgot, but it just shows how they, these algorithms understand they play to your like tendencies and they play to the weak parts of uh, like our mind and our, ego and uh they will continue to do that because that's what's gonna drive the most traffic and have people spend the most time on the platform and uh we just need to understand that and can we outsmart ai probably not but at the end of the day if you i think if you make a like a conscious effort to spend that time away from your devices it'll it'll pay off in some way. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, thank you so much for being on, David. Uh, we've gone a little bit later than we normally go on this podcast. I'm sorry. I know I talk a lot. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. I, I think we've all been very engaged in this conversation. And that's what I love about this, this podcast is that we have such deep, um, long conversations with lots of good advice um, for other people who are wanting to wanting to get into what our guests are into. So I think you've given a lot of um, good, good advice. And um, I, I truly feel that people can learn from your experiences, um, from what you've posted on TikTok, from what you've talked about on the show. Um, and um, just like the success of your business in general. Um, so I applaud you for that. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just awesome checking in with you. It's been a while, uh, since we've had a long conversation. So, uh, thanks again for, for coming on. Um, where can people follow you and Six Socks and, I don't know, future endeavors that you may be on? <laughs> so I'll tell you in a second. I, first of all, I want to give you guys a major shout out. I think what you guys are doing here is really cool. Um, the message is super positive and uh, the diverse group and then the guests that you have, I'm sure that it's, you know, it's, I'm sure it's benefiting a lot of people um, just to hear different perspectives and not that anything I said is new, but uh, I hope that I could bring some type of insight or perspective to anyone's life. And uh, I think what you're doing is, super awesome and uh it Thank looks you. like to me that you're doing it not because you expect anything out of it but because you truly enjoy it you enjoy the process you enjoy each other each other's company and i uh i applaud that i think it's really really cool and i'm honored yeah. to be on this. this is the first podcast i've ever done that's cool i'm um, super proud I'm gonna, tell, <laughs> I'm gonna tell everybody that i did this, <laughs> and, uh, I'm gonna send this to that's awesome thank you and uh yeah also big shout out to you aurora um you were an amazing wow, manager i had a great time working with you at henry's um those days were you know they were uh yeah they were they meant a lot to me because it was the first job i ever had that i enjoyed and i cared about because i was going into work 
working at a camera store and I was working with like-minded individuals who nerded out over the same things that I did. Um, I was able to play with literally toys all day and, um, yeah, it was, it was an awesome job. Uh, I was given like a good amount of freedom there and, uh, very grateful for the experience that you provided and thank you for staying in touch. Thank you for having me. Um, if anybody wants to look at our business or, um, I guess follow me on Instagram, I don't know that that would be the most entertaining follow. The business is <laughs> S I X S O X silver. So six socks, silver, all one word. That's our social media handle and it's across all platforms. And then my personal one is David Cohn. So K O H N one. And that would be on Instagram. So awesome. Well, thank you again so much for uh, being on and uh, thank you, Sean and Brian for attending on a, not our regular night. Uh, for this yes, uh, also interview. thank you for that. Oh, yeah, it's it supposed to be Monday, and I asked this to be pushed. So thank you yeah. for doing that. It means a lot. Perfect. It's a pleasure. No it's it's raining anyways. I can't drive my car, so oh, I had to be yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. Uh, give us a like and a follow, or um, whatever you do to. Um, Sorry, you or just listen <laughs> and uh, uh, and have a great night. Cool. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Peace. And don't compare yourself to Peter McKinnon. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>